Father, we just thank you once again this morning. Lord, we, Father, we confess with our mouths this morning, Lord, even as we heard yesterday, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning. That your compassions do not fail. That you, O oh Father, are a God who's faithful. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness and your compassions, they do not fail. And therefore we are not consumed. Lord, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O oh Lord. Father, we come to your throne room of grace this morning seeking for mercy. Because you said, come boldly and confidently to the throne room of grace through the new and the living way that you have ordained for every one of us through the body and the blood of your Son. To obtain mercy and grace. And this morning we need mercy and we need grace. Father, speak to our hearts, O Lord, even as we meditate upon your word. Enable us, Lord Father, to become vessels of mercy, vessels of kindness. Thank you, Lord. Father, even as now we meditate upon your word, speak to our hearts, anoint us, sanctify us and set us apart a little more this morning, O Lord, by the washing of water by your, of your word and present us to yourself a little less spotless with fewer wrinkles and a fewer blemishes, O Lord, in our, in our spiritual man and our souls. Enable us to be acceptable in your sight. To that end, I pray that you would bless even the meditation of this word and anoint us in the speaking and in the hearing. For in Jesus' name, Amen. Isaiah chapter 5, once again, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, let's read from verse 1 onwards. We were looking at the parable of the vineyard. uh, And that's definitely, that's found in Matthew chapter 21. Uh, which essentially is a, um, is a, if you can say, a commentary by Jesus himself uh, from Isaiah chapter 5. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a fruitful hill. He dug it up, cleared out its stones, and planted it with the choicest wine. He built a tower in its midst and he also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And then, and now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge please between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then? When I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? 
And now please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, it shall be burned, and break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. And verse 10, verse 7, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. He looked for righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. He looked for justice. That was the fruit that we looked at yesterday. He looked for justice, and we looked at the three aspects of that fruit from Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. It says, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, it says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. What is good. So, in that good, there are three parts. Okay, Good grapes, three parts. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly? And we understood what to do justly means. To love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. To love mercy. This morning we will look at uh, the second aspect of that fruit. To love mercy. Actually, it's very difficult to love mercy. We love mercy for ourselves. But when it comes to extending mercy to others, it's very, very difficult for us. We want God to wink at our sin. (laughs) But it's very difficult for us to wink at others' sin. Okay, If you turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. And verse... um, I'll tell you the exact verse in uh, Colossians chapter 3 and and verse 12 onwards. Therefore, as the elect of God, you see that? As the chosen ones of God, many are called, few are chosen. We were looking at the call of God yesterday. As the elect of God, as the chosen ones of God, Holy and beloved. You see that? How these things are coming together. So the the elect ones are just not beloved. They are holy and beloved. The reason why they are beloved is because they are beloved in Christ. And Christ is one of, is, is the one who completely was sanctified and set apart for the master's use. And that is the reason why he tells in John's Gospel chapter 17 verse 17, he says, Sanctify them by the truth, for your word is the truth, for their sake. I sanctify myself. It's a remarkable verse. Okay. For their sake I sanctify myself. Jesus himself was sanctified. And set apart for us. I mean, how much more can you sanctify yourself? I I don't know. He himself was already sanctified. And he said, I still sanctify myself. And uh, you can actually go there. 17, 17 to 19, if you will. Or John's Gospel, chapter 17. And let's come back to Colossians chapter 3. It says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And 18 and 19 will say, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I have sanctified myself so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I mean, these 
verses are so powerful actually. I think we'll just spend eternity to even understand what it means. For their sakes I sanctify myself. But they also may be sanctified by the truth. What does that mean? I don't even want to go there today because that's not um, the object of today's study. But it says, as chosen ones of God, go back to Colossians chapter 3 verse 12. It says, as the chosen ones of God, therefore, holy and beloved, what should you do? Put on first, what mercies? Tender mercies. How do you look at that? Put on tender mercies. And what is one thing that God delighted in? He delighted in mercy, it says. I delight in mercy and not sacrifice, remember? In, uh, I think Matthew chapter 12, don't have to turn there. Holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against you, even as Christ forgave you, so also must you do. See that? This is how, uh, <laughs> what loving mercy means. And it's not easy for us to do that. And it will look at how um, um, powerful that verse in um, Matthew chapter 5 will say, Blessed are the merciful, for, sh- for they shall obtain mercy. In other words, if you really want to be under the umbrella of God's mercy and not go out, it says, right, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is a position, positionally. Okay, that is a position that we have to continuously abide in. So when you are abiding in Christ, we are actually abiding in His mercy. Okay, the moment we have not extended mercy to others, what does it mean? That means we are outside of Christ. Because we no longer receive mercy from Him. You understand? Understand? I I mean, I I mentioned this uh, several times. Uh, If you remember Shimei, right? Shimei. Solomon tells Shimei, Shimei, you stay in Jerusalem and you will not die. What is Jerusalem means? Jerusalem means a city of peace. Okay? You, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Therefore, pursue holiness with God so that you will continue to ha- continue to have peace and peace with other men. How do you pursue holiness? One of the ways you pursue holiness with God, that means you will constantly depend upon His mercy. Come boldly and confidently to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. So, and then how do you uh, pursue peace with men that you constantly keep extending mercy? So he tells Shimei, Shimei, you leave this place, boss. The day you leave this place, you will die. And (laughs) you remember the story, right? Two of his, after three years, I think that's, that's exactly what happens, right? After three years, Shimei, Shimei's true colors come out. Like that's the reason why you should give it time. And what was, like, uh, we all keep hearing and, uh, I think it was, it's in Luke's Gospel chapter 17. Don't have to turn there. It says, the, Jesus comes to the fig tree. For three years I've been, I've been uh, investing my resources into this, into this vineyard and there's no fruit. Pull it down. Three years. So, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. So, one of the ministries, if you will, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. It's a very 
interesting name that is given to it, Romans chapter 12. Um, you know that chapter, but uh, it talks about certain interesting ministries. Um, verse 5 onwards. Yeah. So we being many as one body in Christ and, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches and teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy. How should he do it? With cheerfulness. <laughs> that is how you love mercy. Thank you. Okay. He who shows me mercy, oh, oh, I need your mercy, okay. No, that is not the way you do it, cheerfully. For God loves her. Sure. Of course, this is talking about mercy ministry. Uh, but I, I, you see the principle over here. He shows mercy, let him do it with cheerfulness. He who shows hospitality without grumbling, it says in First Peter chapter 4. Yeah, So that in he who ministers, let him minister in the strength with which God supplies, so that in all things who may be glorified, God may be glorified. And how does how is God glorified when you do it cheerfully? Okay, when you don't grudgingly do it, no. So mercy is is of course um, uh, very difficult to preach on it, unless and until you are a man of mercy. But I'll, I'm very a little smart also sometimes. Again, I, I, I use this, I use certain. Uh, Verses in the Bible, not because I'm trying to twist the Bible. I don't think I'm still there yet. So you should prophesy in proportion to your, what? Faith. So where do I use mercy is a question that I want to talk about. So let us uh, look at mercy in great detail today. A little, not great detail, a little de- a little more detail in both the Old Covenant and the New Covenant contexts. Um, to love mercy. The word for mercy, if you know, your Hebrew, I've mentioned it several times. Can anybody guess? Chesed. That's right. Chesed. Which actually means covenantal love. Covenantal love. Covenantal love. It's like, you know, um, God is in covenant relationship with us. We are his wife. In that sense, covenantal love. And, and therefore, he loves us, he washes us, he sanctifies us, he's merciful with us, he tolerates all our tantrums, etc. So, but let me, let me tell you, I want to show you a few verses connected with mercy so that we'll have a, um, a good understanding, a wholesome understanding of what it is to be merciful and what is it to love mercy. If you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6, look at what it says. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6. In mercy and truth. You see that everybody? So you don't have mercy is meaningless if there is no truth. Understand that. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. What a beautiful verse. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. In other words, what is the, um, what do you say, result of, a, of, of so not result, what is the fruit, 
Forget not what is not fruit. How do I put this? How do I know that I am a man who has obtained mercy from God? You know what? What is the manifestation of that mercy? You know what it is? Fear of the Lord. Understand that? Okay. With you, forgiveness can be found so that you may be feared. Yeah. See, that is the reason why we have to have a wholesome understanding of what mercy is. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. So, obtaining mercy is useless if you don't have the fear of the Lord which has been produced. Which has been, otherwise, what happens is, like, I, I, like we, like Pastor was saying, right? You have, uh, what is that? Something he mentioned is to be only uh, foolish preach. What is that? Foolish preaching? Half truth, something like that, no? I mean, I, I, I was really, really amused. People only talk about the half side, only, oh, God will accept you, doesn't matter what you do. That is not mercy. Okay. Mercy and truth. Mercy is meaningless without truth. And if we are recipients of mercy, one of the hallmarks of a man who is a recipient of God's mercy is that he walks in the fear of the Lord. Oh, why? He says, Lord, thank God I'm saved. And he walks in the fear of the Lord. So, why? Because if you look at uh, Psalm 85, verses 10 and 11, this is what it says. It says, we know this very well, but any, once more, we just look at it. Mercy and truth have met together. Okay. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look up, look down from heaven. So what has happened? Truth shall spring. And from your life what should come out? Truth should come out. And what will God give you as his gift? The gift of righteousness. When will this happen? When mercy and truth have met together and righteousness of peace have kissed each other. And that's exactly what happened on the cross. Mercy and truth met. Righteousness and peace kissed. Alright? So, and then again, verse 12 and 13 also, you will also mentions this. So the thought continues. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its, yield its increase. Righteousness will go before Him, and uh, shall make His footsteps our pathway. You see that? The moment you start receiving mercy, one of the things that is happening is that righteousness will go before Him, and shall make His footsteps our pathway. He has shown us the way. Right, if you turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2 verse 7 if I'm right. 1 John chapter 2 verse 7. Mm, sorry, 6 verse 6, yeah. He who says he abides in him, okay, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. He showed us the pathway and we walk in his footsteps. That is how we know that we have received what? Mercy. And this mercy cannot be independent of truth, my dear brothers. That mercy is useless. That is that is not mercy at all. That is abuse of mercy. You see this example. Now, of course, you turn turn to John's Gospel chapter 4, and you know this very well, but let's look at it once more. John's Gospel chapter 4, and verse 15 to 18. It says, Therefore, 
the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Meaning what? I want what? I want mercy. I want mercy. Boss, I want this water. Whatever this water is. And you know what? Next verse, you know what Jesus will say? Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said, you have said well. I have no husband. Why? You had six husbands, five husbands. The one whom you are uh, living with is not even your husband. In that you spoke what? Truly or you spoke the truth. And now you can receive mercy. Alright. Another verse. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 28. Look at this. This is beautiful. Look at this. Look at this, my dear brothers. Mercy and truth preserve the king, the goodness of God and the severity of God, they preserve you. Otherwise, you'll just take on, take off in different dimensions. Truth also will scare people away and mercy will make people useless. It is the balance of these two which causes us to persevere in this walk of faith. The preservers, mercy and truth, preservers, both preservers, just not mercy, And no truth. Just not truth and no mercy. Both is needed in a, in exact proportions. Actually, mercy triumphs over judgment. I don't know how that proportion is though. But I I think you need both these truths. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I mean, it's a tremendously straight line to follow, no? Somebody said this. I think it was, uh, Tim Keller who made this powerful statement in when he was in his, one of his uh, commentaries on, on Galatians. He says, if you, Speak the, if you speak the truth without love, you're not loving. Hmm? Look at this, look at this again. If you speak the truth without love, you're not loving. If you love without speaking the truth, you're not truthing. (laughs) I like that. You need both these. And in that context, he says compromise is the besetting sin of encouragers. Compromise is the besetting sin of encouragers. Because they only want to uphold what? Mercy. Okay. We need both. We need both in proper dimensions. That is what preserves us in a walk with the Lord. Otherwise, it'll just go astray. Another verse, and therefore, what should we do? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. Look at what it says. I love this. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Boy, you can be forsaken by mercy and truth. In other words, they have a personality. (laughs) Because it's, of course, both of them talk about Jesus, right? You wear Jesus as an ornament. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. This is new covenant language, my dear brothers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. By the ink of the, by the, by the Holy Spirit on the not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of flesh by the Holy Spirit. New covenant believers. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them. That means cling to them. Hold on to them. Both mercy and truth. And another one. Look at this. 1422 Proverbs. Do not go astray. Do they, sorry. Do they not go astray who devise evil? Do they not go astray who devise evil? That means they have, what do you say, uh, pre-con- what, premeditated ideas 
and methodologies to do evil. Do they have, do they not go astray who devise evil? But mercy and truth belong to those who devise good. What means? My device can be, <laughs> like pastor says, right? This is neutral. But if you hold on to mercy and truth, this device will be a device for good. Else, this device will be a device for evil. I was reading a letter, there was a very interesting article. You know what he says? The modern day holocaust, the modern day holocaust Many people are dying of COVID. Many, many, many people are dying of COVID. Okay? But he says, you know what? The one disease which is killing more people than Holocaust, he says, is a disease of sexual perversion. There are a billion people in the world, billion, it's according to statistics. This is mind-blowing statistics. One billion people of the world, in the world, who are, whose minds are messed up because of pornography. I mean, think about that. If six billion, one sixth of the world is gone. Minds are messed up. Like, like pastor was saying yesterday, right? They're all, their minds are given to pornography. So they're like walking like zombies. They don't even know what they're doing. Because they don't have the strength to resist evil. They don't have the convictions in their heart. So whatever they do, they, that's, that's the reason why, uh, if you turn to Romans chapter 1, it says, they become inventors of evil. Inventors of evil. Inventions are not not bad. But the problem is the you're a Frankenstein. <laughs> do they go as do they not go astray? Do they not go astray who devise evil? But mercy and truth belong to those who devise good. So that is the reason why we need this proper combination of mercy and truth. Whoever devises good devising, you know what devising means, right? It's a deliberate action. And if you don't have mercy and truth, whatever you're doing is devising evil. It is ultimately going to be bound to, towards evil. It's bent towards evil. And that is the reason Newton and all these people are great men of God. Blaise Pascal, Newton, Lepole Chronicler, all these godly men. Apparently Newton has more, he has written more on uh, the Bible than his scientific works. Principia Mathematica, which is like one of those, one of his most venerated writings, which is loved by the scientific communities, but they don't talk about his theological works. They were people who, men of character, men of honor, men who loved God, who feared God. And therefore, they were a blessing to society. So do they not go astray who devise evil, but mercy and truth belong to those who devise evil. So we, today we want to talk about mercy. Right. And there's one psalm which talks about mercy, which endures forever. There's several. It's called the Hallel Psalms of, 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 of Israel. Okay, There are like uh, six Hallel Psalms, Psalm 111 to Psalm 118, which is sung by uh, the Israel, Israelites, generally when they go to, on the pilgrimage to, 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 uh, to Jerusalem thrice a year, along with the Psalms of Ascent, they sing these Psalms. These are songs of, Psalms of praise. Hallel means praise. Hallelujah. That is from where we get the word Hallelujah. 
Hallel means praise Yah. Hallelujah means praise Yah. Praise Yehovah. Okay, Hallel, songs of praise, psalms of praise. And uh, this, these psalms of praise, and one psalm, of course, which, which, we'll, which we're going to look at today, Psalm 136 was sung by, by Solomon when he dedicated the temple, by Jehoshaphat when he, when he fought the war, hmm? and by the exiles when they came back and when they, when they, um, uh, reconstructed the temple and they rededicated the temple after which, which was reconstructed. One of the psalms that they sang was what? They believe, uh, scribes believe and scholars believe that one of the psalms, it's supposed to be the favorite psalm of the Hebrews. Psalm 136, of course. It talks about 26 dimensionalities of God's mercy. 26 dimensionalities. Okay. It's a remarkable psalm. Beautiful. 26 dimensionalities of God's mercy. Today we'll look at, look at only six in the time that we have. Hopefully. Psalm 136, it's called the Great Hallel. <laughs> it's just not ordinary Hallel. It is Great Hallel. Hallelujah. The greatest Hallelujah. The greatest praise that you can give to God. So, we should not miss these Psalms now. Hallelujah is not just mentioned in Revelation, Baba. Mizmor Chufnun Hallelujah. Psalm 150 is full of Hallelujah in Hebrew. In fact, all the last Psalms are all Hallel Psalms. Okay, Hallelujah Psalms basically. Praise the Lord, no? Is rendered as what? Hallelujah. Okay, Hallelujah means praise the Lord. And uh, Sami also has the Telugu translation. Because now he can speak in tongues thanks to Google Translate, okay? <laughs> I mean, so no wonder people be- believe in cessationalism, no? <laughs> because we have uh, Google Translate. Why do we need to speak in tongues? Nonsense, they say. And Sam proves the point, always. Okay. <laughs> he comes and shows me in flawless Telugu. Pastor, is this right? I said, how did you get it, Baba? Pastor, Google Translate. Okay. Of course, it still fools you. Okay. Because Google Translate cannot capture satire. That's the reason why machine is dumb. It doesn't have a soul. <laughs> okay. So if when people say, your mind is like a computer, please don't call me a computer. That means you're calling me what? Dumb. Okay, a machine is dumb. Alright. Anyway, so let's move on. That's only besides the point. Let's go to Psalm 136 therefore. And let's read the 26 verses and let's meditate on the first 6 or first 9 verses today. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endures forever. For in the first three verses, oh, give thanks to the Lord, to for His mercy endures. For He is good, for His mercy endures forever. God of gods, give thanks, His mercy endures forever. Lord of lords, give thanks, His mercy endures forever. First, it starts with what? Thanksgiving. You know something? We are an unthankful, ungrateful generation. Learn to give thanks. Learn to reciprocate. Ask God to to make you into a blessing. Not a sucker. 
What does the leech say? Only two things. Give me, give me. Lord, make me a blessing. That is the reason why he says, no, those who stole should not steal anymore, but they should learn to work hard so that they will have something to what? Give. That is thanksgiving. For it is more blessed to give than to receive. Lord, make me a blessing, Lord. A channel of blessing. Channels only, blessed master, but with all thy wondrous pride. Flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. Remember that hymn? Yeah, you remember? Channels only, blessed master. But with all thy wondrous power. Flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. Thanks, thanks. A life of thanksgiving. What you give back to God is what you give back in reciprocation because you're recipient of God's mercy. What can you give? What can I give? That will be pleasing. I give my heart not just a part. I have two hands, one heart, one life to give you. That is thanksgiving. You know, when you make excuses and when you murmur and complain, that is not thanksgiving. That is Israel in the wilderness. And they lost their battle in the wilderness and they will never inherit the life of Christ. Unthankful. Our generation is like that. We are what we call as entitlement generation. I'll tell you something. Consumption without contribution is equal to entitlement. What did I say? Consumption without contribution is equal to enlightenment. Is equal to not enlightenment, sorry. Chichi. That is ignorance, not enlightenment. Entitlement. Consumption without contribution. Said one man of God, I forget his name. Again, otherwise no, YouTube no. Copyrights. Okay, so let's read on. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of Lords, verse 3, for his mercy endures forever. Hmm? Let's move on. To him who alone does great wonders for his mercy endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth before the waters for his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights for his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day for his mercy endures forever. And the moon and the stars to rule by night for his mercy endures forever. Who smote Egypt in its firstborn? Struck it says, smote in KJV. For his mercy endures forever. All? He's an extension of his mercy? It is for his mercy, is a refrain. For is because his mercy endures. Actually, the word endures is added in the italics. It's, it's there in the italics in the original, meaning what? His mercy forever. His mercy forever. His mercy forever. Is it in italics? You see? His mercy forever. We can actually stop there. We'll, don't go ahead of ourselves, no? First three verses is enough for us for today. Let me tell you something. Even as we meditate upon this psalm, get a 
good understanding of what it means to be merciful. Okay, what does it mean to be recipients of God's mercy? We'll understand that in detail. First, let's go to verse 1. The dimension number 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. That is Yahweh. Yehovah. For he is good. In other words, he is the only one who qualifies as good in the entire universe. <laughs> Nobody else. Okay. Alright, if you turn with me to Luke's Gospel chapter 18, verse 18 onwards, we know this verse very well, but... Um, Let's understand this. Look at what it says. Now a certain ruler asked him saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. In other words, didn't you read Psalm 136 please? Or are you implying that I am God? And therefore you are calling me good? Aha. Uh-huh. God is good and therefore he is the only one who can qualify and call anything as good. And whatever he does, according to Psalm 140 something, is good. Whatever he does is good. And that is one of the attributes of his mercy that he is good. That it endures forever and therefore we love mercy. We should, we should also be having a longing in our heart to hear from what? God, those words. You are good. Because he is the only one who can qualify anything as what? Good. Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. This is after he makes the entire creation. Then God saw Everything that he had made. When did he see everything that he had made? On the final day. After the fashion, Adam in his own image. When he said, let us make man in our own image. And let us, what? Give him dominion over the fish of the sea, etc, etc, etc. He creates everything. And God saw everything that he had made. And indeed it was. What? Very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And then of course starts the seventh day. Which is the day of Sabbath. So what does man hear? The very first time when he is created. You know what he hears? He hears the commendation. Boy, you are good. You are good. You know, in each one of our hearts is a longing, no? That was a good sermon, Vijay. It was good Telugu. Yesterday my dad called me. He said, your rendition in Telugu. Boy, rendition in Telugu. Baba. <laughs> we all have this longing in our heart. No. To be what? To be called as good. You know why? Because God created us with that ingredient in us. To be received and be accepted. And to be called as good. And the moment we fell away from God, we lost that. And therefore, what do we do? We clamor around. We go all around the place to get this what? Accolades from people that we are good. Sushant Singh Rajput, SSR. 
Yeah, that's what they call him anyway. SRK, SSR. I mean, in one of his stocks, my wife was telling me, in one of his stocks in IIT Bombay, he was telling, you know what, he was, by, by, by the way, guy, he was a very brilliant kid, okay? He was seventh rank in uh, Delhi, uh, Delhi Engineering, uh, Delhi College of Engineering. Top ranker. Three years he studied engineering and he dropped out of college because he wanted to pursue a career in acting. What a dumb dumb, but okay, that's besides the point. Intelligent people can also like make dumb, dumb choices like that, but it's okay. And he says, when he was one of his stocks in IIT, you know what, you know what he says? With all the accolades that I've got, I still feel emptiness in my heart. I mean, that was a remarkable statement. With all the things that I've achieved. I mean, isn't it amazing? What more do you want? What more do you want? A hundred crore movie? Chichore, no? That was the last movie he made. I didn't watch it. That's what I read read about. And ironically, that movie talks about suicide not being the solution to problems in your life. (laughs) It's remarkable. Why? Because deep down inside of our heart, there is a longing. What? To be called as good. That was the day of rest for Adam. Adam begins from rest. And he receives this commendation from God. Adam, boy, you are a good man. <laughs> we all like it, no? Okay, if uh, if today you give good as, uh, if you sign good in Abigail's textbook or on our notebook, next day you, you should write V good. Very good. And she will not be satisfied, she will she'll not be satisfied with V good. She will be satisfied next day with V V good. That means very, very good. And that will still not satisfy her. Next day I have to write three weeks. Why? Because in every child that is there. And what are we doing? Forever laboring to receive commendation from some people who are not qualified to be called good to receive a commendation that you are good. What foolishness. And we never go to the one who can actually call us what? Good. Because ultimately his commendation matters, right? That is the reason when John's Gospel chapter 5 was 44, this is what Jesus will say. This is powerful. Huh. Yeah, look at what it says. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and who do not seek the honor that comes from the Ari, the only God, not God alone. It is the only God. And He's so forever merciful and you can receive that commendation that you're good. You know how? Just believe in the gospel. What must we do to the work, to do the works of God? Huh. Baba, relax. Relax. Chill. Believe. 410 of Hebrews will say powerful things. Look at what he says. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works of what? To receive this commendation from God that you are good. But all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there is only one work that will qualify you as good. That is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Because only one person who can be called good is God. 
And the only one person who can call somebody good is God. And therefore God has to call God as good. And therefore, who was crucified? God was crucified. And when you accept that God's work in your life, you know what he calls you? Good. Now you start, Baba. Now you start. All of us, when we are born again and are accepted into Christ, we all begin with the same commendation. Boy, you are good. What we lost in Adam, we gained back in the last Adam. And as long as you're in Adam, we are forever trying to work out your salvation, trying to get this appeasing, uh, what is it, what, 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 appreciation from God. Boy, you're good. That is what we call us entering into God's rest. Come to me. <laughs> All that he labor are, and are heavy laden. And I, I, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon yourselves and learn of me. And you shall continue to find rest for your souls. For I'm meek and lowly. My burden is light. My yoke is, my yoke is light and my burden is whatever. Forget that, those words. God cannot be appeased. The only one who can appease God is, the only one who can appease God is God, yeah? Therefore only the work of Christ will be acceptable to God. No other work. The only work, so to speak, which calls, which God calls good is the work of His Son on the cross. Therefore Jesus said, this is the work that you have to do. What is that? Believe in me. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8. Therefore he says, sorry, 2 verse 8, no, Sammy, 2 verse 8 to 10, sorry. I wrote it as, thought it as 2 and wrote it as 4. Sorry, okay. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works. Lest anyone should boast. And then you know what he, what he says. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. For good works. In other words. No other work will be qualified as good. Unless and until it is originating. From the position of being where? In Christ. Which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. And we understood what walking in means. Like pastor was talking about. It's a life he was talking about, right? So what is greater in God's eyes? Righteous or good? Ah! That's what you think? See? Let me tell you, good is much, much greater than righteous. How do I know that? Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. Look at this. <laughs> love this. <laughs> for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For, 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 for. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die. That fellow is a righteous fellow. Will you die for him? Chichi. Righteous people actually put many people off. Yet perhaps, look at this. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Now think about this. Who is better than? Righteous or good? 
That is the word. Pharisees had this snobbish attitude. We were righteous. You sinners condescending nonsense fellows. I am not like this tax collector. That is righteous. And who was good? <laughs> Jesus was the only one who was good, right? And he says, yet perhaps for a good man, would someone dare to die? So the qualification is what, according to God, in, in, in God's mind, or, or even in the mind of the Apostle Paul, you know what he's saying? A good man is much, much better than a righteous man. Now, look at the next verse. If a good man like this is much, much greater than a righteous man, how much more good God is, who demonstrates his own love toward us in that we are, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who is the good? In other words, God. Good is much, much greater than righteous. So, if we steadfastly continue in his mercy, for his mercy endures forever, we will also one day receive a commendation from God. What is that? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Welcome into the, enter into the joy. When we have been faithful with his resources and talents that he has given us. That is what thanksgiving is, right? Thanksgiving is our reciprocation. We, we he, he did not choose us. I mean, so we did not choose him, but he chose us. We love him because he first loved us. It's only reciprocation, guys. When we have been faithful with the resources and the talents, that God has given us and we, were, and we are faithful with the time that God has invested uh, in our lives. And then when we are faithful in all these few things, because we are recipients of God's mercy, you know what? One day we will receive a commendation that what? Well done. Good. Good, 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 good. And then faithful. It means righteous basically. For my right, righteous shall live by faith. Good and faithful servant. Otherwise, turn to Matthew chapter 25. Look at what it says, no? Like that verse. I want to show you. To 24, not 25. Uh, 24. Matthew chapter 24. Verse 45. Onwards. It says, Who then is a faithful and a wise servant whom his master made ruler of his own household to give him food in due season? Blessed is a servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. We'll come back to this later on. Okay, just, just keep this in your mind because I want to, I want to, uh, uh, stress on this, uh, a little later, but you understand. Okay. Well, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and for his mercy endures forever and all we need is a commendation from him and not from anybody else. Okay? So that is the first part. Dimension number two about his mercy. Let's go, let's go to, uh, go back to Psalm 136 and verse two. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. Kya baat hai? Why? For his mercy endures forever. He is the God of all gods. What does it mean? In the new covenant language. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 from verses 
4 to 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 4 to 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 4 to 6. Therefore concerning the eating of the things which are offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, <laughs> yet for us there is only one God, the Father of whom, the Father of whom are all things and we for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we <coughs> live. So what is, what is happening over here? He is the God of all gods. How did he become the God of all gods? Okay, you might say that yes, he is, he is the one who created and therefore he is by virtue of creating. No, let me show you another place which in the New Covenant language, look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 to 23. That is true, but look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 onwards. Which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him up from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above what? All principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come by the virtue of resurrection and ascension. You know what God has placed him? He has placed him above all gods. And therefore, who holds the ultimate authority on the universe? That is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is our God now. According to Romans chapter 9 verse 5. So how do we apply this for our lives? And how did he do it? He did it as an act of his mercy, right? For us. Okay. He made himself a little lower than the angels. Don't Hebrews, 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 Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, we'll understand this. By the way, the word for angels in the Hebrew, you know what it is? What do you think? Gentlemen. Hmm, hmm. The word for angels in the Hebrew, especially, it's, um, it's of course, it's quoting from Psalm 8. Excuse me? No. Not cherubim, not seraph. You want to take a guess? One guess. One more guess. One last guess. It's Elohim. He made himself a little lower than the Elohim. Gods. Okay. Elohim. Okay. <laughs> so, that's rendered as angels. But actually he made himself little lower than the Elohim, the so-called gods. Okay, let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. Let's understand this principle. And why is it an act of God's mercy, which he says, his mercy endures forever. Hebrews chapter 2. Sorry, just give me a minute. And let me find that verse for you. And Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 8. Now in putting, okay, yeah, but but one it, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is a man, what is man that you are mindful of him, or a son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels, which of course is what the uh, 
Hebrew, uh, sorry, Greek New uh, Old Testament will render it as, but the original Hebrew calls it Elohim, which is essentially means little lower than the gods. You have crowned them with glory and honor and set them over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him, but now we do not yet see all things put under him. But what do we see? Verse 9. But we see Jesus. Now look at this. Who was made <laughs> a little lower than the angels in terms of all the gods when he came down to the earth. For the suffering of deaths. Crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. So that means what? Even Jesus, when he lived on this earth, he had to live by grace. You know that? And he says when he was, he was not being gracious, he was only also living by grace and truth. For God gives grace. I mean, God filled him without measure with the spirit and spirit is also called the spirit of truth and the spirit of Yes, right? That he might taste death for everyone. And look at verse 1, verse 10, verse 10 now. Let's, 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 for, for both he who sanctifies, hmm, oh, sorry, for verse 10, for it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So what did Jesus do? He may, was made a little lower than the angels. He tasted death for everyone. He defeated death on the cross. And he rose again. Now where? Far above all gods. And he seated where? At the right hand of the Father. All was an extension of his word. Was an act of his mercy. Because his mercy endures forever. How do we apply this in our own life therefore? Hmm. How do we apply this dimensionality of that God is a God over, of, over all gods? Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 6 to 10. That's okay, Peter. Don't, don't stress too much. It says, and raised us up together and made us sit together. Where? <laughs> now, where are we? We are also far above <laughs> all gods by virtue of being seated in Christ Baba. And all is an act of His mercy. So when we sing Psalm 136, actually it is more relevant to us than them. Because Whatever they did in the old covenant, they could still, still never be called as good. But we in the old test, in the new testament, by virtue of accepting the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and believing on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we are given this commendation from God as what? Good. Second, and by virtue of being found in Christ, we are positionally seated with Christ in the heavens far above all principality. Do you see that? Because he has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. All was an act of his what? Mercy. Where? And where is this going to end? Never. <laughs> that in the ages to come, 
Okay, this is all esoteric jnana, Vijay. How do you apply this in your life? First, what is it? It's a symbol of authority. It's a symbol of authority. That you in Christ Jesus, that's the reason why it's, it, uh, Jesus tells Simon, Simon, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven, you shall be called, what? Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loosen on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know why? Because you are seated together with me in heavenly places in Christ, and you have the authority. But why do we as a church have no authority? Simply because we do not obey the first commandment. What is the first commandment? I am the Lord God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Thou shalt have no other gods apart from me. And what what is the one God that we love is the world. That is the reason if you turn to James chapter 4, verse 4, you know what he says, James chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, this is what he says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? With God, that means you are taking something else, I mean something else is taking the place of God. That's what it means, right? Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in you yearns with envy or lusts with envy? You don't have authority simply because our hearts are divided. And therefore one of the exhortation in 1 John chapter 5 in the last verse, what does it say? Little children... (laughs) Keep yourself from idols. First Corinthians chapter 10 will say, flee idolatry. Ephesians chapter 4 will say, covetousness is idolatry. Colossians chapter 3 will say, covetousness is idolatry. And thou shalt have no other gods. Meaning what? God is above all your gods. Either you can have one god or you will have many Gods. Either you will have one lover in God or you will have a multiplicity of lovers. And I know what he tells in Jeremiah. Many prostitutes, they sell their body for money. You on the other hand, you give money to your lovers so that they can come and sleep with you. That is ultimate idolatry. It's a powerful word. You give money so that you can have a one night stand with them. In other words. Pathetic, isn't it? All your resources are going. Because you are seeking for love in all the wrong places. You have several lovers now. Upon every high hill and under every green tree thou hast played the harlot. That is how God looks at it. But give thanks to the Lord, for He is above 
all gods. Why? His mercy endures forever. And if his mercy endures forever, what has he done? He has also seated us together with him above all gods. Far above every principality. Above all And what does it mean? We have the authority if we are in Christ to exercise authority over powers of darkness. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty where? In God to the pulling out of strong, pulling down of strongholds. And why don't we have authority? Simply because our private life is messed up. Yesterday I was reading one Samuel, first Samuel chapter 17 for Abigail and Emmanuel, okay? The story of David, no? David and who? Goliath. They have all years. My goodness, uh, 54 verses. Now, if any other, any other uh, chapter with 54 verses, they will say, when is it going to end? Okay, but there's something in that, you, you might have read it so many times. He says, Saul says, you are a young boy and that guy has been a warrior from his youth. You know what he says? Your servant was taking care of the sheep and a lion came. And then a bear came and I killed both of them. The same law which delivered me out of the hands of the lion and of the bear will deliver this Philistine into my hands. You know why he had authority? Because he had victory over sin in his private life. Nobody saw, no? Did he go home and say, today, daddy, I killed a lion? See, if you, if you killed a lion, Baba, think about it, no? If you killed a lion, will you not become a hero? He never even boasted about it. That was just his job. You killed a bear. And you know what he says? I caught it by its hair. A young guy. I mean, think about that. Sometimes our secret sins are like lions which are devouring us and we don't even know it. Why don't we have authority? Simply because we have lost our battles in our private life. Therefore, there is no authority. That's exactly what happened to Saul. Lost his battles in his private life. It says, Saul and all the Israelites' heart melted because of the Philistine. Saul is also mentioned. And they start... Describing the Philistine. Oh, did you see this man? <laughs> He's defying us. Look how he defies us. What are you doing? Eating three times a day. Military meals. And now extra is also coming from home. Eliab, Shama and Abinadab. <laughs> the so-called anointed of the Lord. Oh, this is surely the anointed of God. I know him. Okay. So, how do we apply once more this thing in our lives? Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Onwards. Yet in all things, we are what? Just not conquerors. More than conquerors through him who loved us. Why? For I am persuaded. 
that neither deaths nor life nor angels or principalities or powers nor things present or things to come can sep nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? You know, because he is above all gods. No condemnation. Now I dread. I like that one. No, what, a, what a stanza it is. No, no condemnation. Now I dread. And the best is of course is this mystery all immortal dies. This people you love? <laughs> this, and you got to die for him? Who can explain his strange design? In vain the firstborn seraph tries to sound the depths of love divine. This mercy all, this mercy all, let earth adore, let angel minds inquire no more. Stop thinking about it. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? What a beauty of a hymn that is, huh? So, dimensionality number two, first dimension. Oh, give thanks to the God, to God, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. We understood that. Second, oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for His mercy endures forever. Third, oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endures forever. What does that mean? What well, Lord means master. He is the master of all masters, Baba. For His mercy endures forever. So how do we apply this truth in our lives? Simple. Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 to the last verse and 4.1. Whatever you do, no sorry, 22 onwards, 22 onwards bro. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters or your lords. Why? According to the flesh, not with eye service, as men's pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Whatever you do, do it heartily, not as to men, who is your earthly master here, but as to the Lord, who is your heavenly master. Because he is the master of all masters. You know what it means? You are not working for anybody here. You are not working for anybody on earth anymore. I am not working for, for example, I am under, let's say, I am just giving my example, I am under Pastor James. I am not working for him. I am working for God. And he happens to be my earthly master. At least my boss, directly. But my ultimate master is who? God. So, even if my earthly master calls me good, my heart will tell me, Are in as far as my attempt is concerned, this was not completely good because in the sight of God, that is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, study yourselves to, to, to study to show yourselves approved unto me. No. No, 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 no. Study yourselves to be approved, to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why? He is the Lord of all lords. So even if your master on earth doesn't see you, who is watching you? Ah, the Lord is watching you. And in due time, he will give you the reward. That is the reason I love, I love Mordecai. What an amaz- amazing example. He was doing what he was supposed to do. 
Like, you know, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were asked to do. Why? Because we are not doing, looking for any earthly commendation over here. So that is the reason why 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 will say, hey, please go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 will, be, will say, in, and put it in the uh, NIV please. Okay, NIV, NIV please. Is it NIV? For, uh, okay. We do not, okay, so we do not dare to classify, oh, sorry, NLT, NLT. So put it in NLT, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12. Oh, don't worry. I wouldn't dare say that I am as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other and measuring themselves by themselves. What foolishness. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But you know why? Because we have one master who is the master of all masters and nobody might see you. You might be doing the same thing over and over, over and over and over again. You may be working, you may be praying, you may be doing some menial, menial things so called in the sight of, 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 of men. Nobody observes you. Nobody comments you. Nobody comes and says you did a great job. That's exactly what happened to Mordecai, right? He saved the king's life, Baba. Look at the timing of God. Huh? And what did they write? In the Chronicles, I write it. Some guy called Mordecai saved the king's life. And this fellow might have said, Are, what, kind of, what an ungrateful king, Ray. He never said that. And if, if I do it in Israel, maybe they'll come and give me presumption and they'll put me, give me promotion also. Nothing of this happened. But at the right time. Haman wanted to kill that fellow. I, I like that. I like the order. No, It's beautiful. The very night Haman is thinking about killing Mordecai. He goes to bed that tomorrow Mordecai is dead. Haman. And the same night the king is not able to sleep. And he says, read something for me. And what do they read? The chronicles, and they come to the page where such and such a man called Mordecai has saved the king's life, and immediately the king will say, "What did we do to him?" Nothing, my lord. At that moment, to kill Mordecai enters Haman, and at that very moment, to exalt Mordecai is the is what the king is thinking, and immediately Haman enters. Haman. He never says, "What should we do with Mordecai?" No. What shall we do to the man whom the king desires to honor? Wow! <laughs> that is what we call as heavenly timing. Huh? Okay. Put him on a horse, put the robe, put the crown, and around the city. Oh! Do this! No, 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 no. To Mordecai. Can you imagine how the tables turn? You know why? Because Mordecai's master was not the king. Mordecai's master was God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you in due time. For promotion does not come from the east or to the west. Promotion comes from the Lord. The Lord of all lords. Why? His mercy endures forever. Mercy forever ka matlab kya hai? It is past, present and future. His mercy is, you know what? It's transcendent. 
it's outside of the dimensionality of time. So he knows exactly when to interject with mercy in time. So in Mordecai's life, exactly at that moment he interjects. This is the time that you need mercy now. Because you never served the earthly master. You served me when you were serving your earthly master. You see how different life will be? And then what happens? You know what happens? You will never ask for a raise. In fact, you will say, I don't want a raise. You know, one of the things that um, I really look for people is, especially when they're working in uh, a Christian environment, when they ask for raise, that is a little red spot for me. You see, you should learn to learn to live by faith, you know, basically. I don't know. Just saying. No, need a raise. God has to raise. Okay. According to your faith, let it be <laughs> done unto you, my dear brothers. <laughs> okay. If your faith is only at the earthly level, that's the reason why he says, like, if you are being raised together with Christ in the heavenly places, you are seated along with him in the heavenly places, what should you do? Set your minds on things there. Set your hearts on things there, on not, on not on earthly things. Because he is the Lord of all lords. And one day, he is going to, he is going to, Commend you. So, go back to Colossians chapter 3. And if you can put it in uh, NIV, it will be great. Hmm? Uh, bond servants also is great, but if you can put it, slaves is more interesting. Huh? Because that's what every... He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters. Huh? Look at what it says. In everything. That means whatever they ask you to do, do. See, gentile ma- gentile servants are not like that. They will uh, they will put uh, uh, they will ask you for okay one more fifteen minutes extra I did today. What are you going to give to me? My my servant who works in my home now for every fifty rupees also she will fight. Well, of course. <laughs> I never I never uh, cut anything until now. I never did. In fact, I always give more. Sometimes, I, someday, one day I just forgot, you know, something she bought for uh, the home from the supermarket, some soap was over, something. Saab, aapne bhool gaya, pachas rupai. I said, Baba, <laughs> kya baat hai. That is what earthly, master, earthly servants are like that. But what about us? And if you are working in a Christian organization, how much more we should give? Right? What should be our attitude? I'm just putting it out. Let's see if the cat licks it up. Okay. <laughs> Putting it on the table. Slaves, obey your earthly masters and everything and do it not only when their eyes on you. You know why? God's eye is always on you. Because he is the Lord of? Why? Because his mercy endures forever. He wants to be merciful to you. Don't see, Ori, you're a hard taskmaster. Always you're observing. Give me a break, please.
what a privilege to work for God, no? In that work also, we try to cut corners, nonsense. Not only when their eye is on you, and to win their favor. That means don't do anything to win their favor. Let favor come from. It says, the Lord gave favor to Joseph from in the eyes of Potiphar. The Lord gave favor to Daniel in the eyes of the Lord of the Master of the Eunuchs. Let him give favor. You try to earn favor, you'll never get it. You know what it says? Jesus sub- made himself subject to them. Jesus increased in stature and in wisdom in favor with God and with man. Why? Because it all come uh, started with what? Coming under subjection. Lord of all lords comes under the subjection of the earthly lord. Kya baat hai? Kya baat hai? So he says, not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Because your earthly master is not your Lord. That Lord is your Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. And then, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Kya baat hai? Okay. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong. And there is no favor. If, 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 if guy is, if he is, if your master is cheating you, he will be rewarded. He will be rewarded. Don't worry. You will be free. And I will tell you something. If you walk by faith, God will provide for everything that you need. Because you know what he says? What David says, I've been young and I've been, I've been old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. Bread. Do you think it is a, take it as a promise? I will take it as a promise. One thing, Lord, in let me be absolutely righteous in the money matters that God you have, that you have entrusted into my hands. Let not be, let me not be unfaithful in my taxes, in the way I handle money. When as long as I'm the, I'm faithful in that, God will bless me. In the little that I have. Whatever little that I have. Of course, I am having more than little. That's not a problem. What I'm saying is, make yourself little if you are having more. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then verse chapter four, verse one. Masters, look at this. Masters, provide your slaves with with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Kya baat hai? Why? Because he's the Lord of all lords. Now you are a master, you are, you are enjoying mercy. So pay your employees, employees on time and appropriately. Don't steal their wages. Don't steal their wages. Especially those who come and work in your home, no? I will cut your salary. You know, one of the testimonies that our maid has. Amma, mere saare, kya bolte Ghar mein, Christmas ka ghar hai. All are Christians only. All our employers are Christians. And she says, I like to work with them. Because they never cut my salary. What a testimony. And she will receive, I mean, we gave and give her the gospel and she receives it. So you'll have opportunities to do that. 
And one thing that I love about that slave girl in uh, Naman's house, no? What a slave girl she is, boss. That the master will listen to a slave girl. What kind of a work ethic did she have? That she has the eye or the ear of a master. Who is the commander of the army of Syria. What a testimony that is. You know why? She was not serving her master. She was serving her Lord. Even in captivity. You know why? Because the Lord's mercy endures forever. Therefore, be Mordecai. Be David. What a David is, no? He will serve his master. Follows after his life. And he's doing everything to appease him. 104 skins. What? No questions asked. 100? 200, sir. I mean, I mean, I cannot even imagine that. I mean, look at the count he's doing. Huh? Bible has got some interesting episodes. <laughs> Kill them is not enough. Not even their heads. What? Did he not get the Philistines head? Goliath? No, no, I don't want their heads. Four skins. Crazy. But he just goes and obeys. I mean, he must be thinking, what kind of a master is this? What kind of a master is this? The proof of my victory, he wants four skins? Never ask questions. You know why? Because he's a there is a Lord of all lords, and he says, "How dare you touch the Lord's anointed?" Adimacha, faithfulness unto him. Okay, therefore, First Peter chapter two. You know what it says? We know this very well. Uh, can I do it in NIV, please? Verse 18 onwards. Oh, he's already there, huh? What Slaves. <laughs> Hello. Software engineers. <laughs> Hardware engineers also. <laughs> Professors. Oh, no, I'm not a slave. Really? <laughs> I know, I know, I know your secrets. <laughs> I run the lab. Nah, I know. Who runs your life? <laughs> <laughs> I know you run the lab, but I know who runs your life. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with respect. No, 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 no. With all respect. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. I mean, you should never be tired of reading these verses. For it is commendable. If a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering, kya baat hai? <laughs> because he is conscious of God. You know why? Because God is our ultimate master. Right? And the next verse, verse 20. But how is it to your credit? If you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow his footsteps. That is what it means to be a servant. 
And now finally, Matthew chapter 25, I want to show you. So, so, so 24, the 41 onwards was for, was 41 onwards. Matthew chapter 24 and was 41 onwards. Oh, 45 onwards, 45 onwards, 45 onwards. Who then is a faithful and as a, and a wise servant whom his master will make, made ruler over his household to give him food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. We are in the last days, no? We know that things are going crazy. But will your master find you faithful at your post? Notwithstanding all the chaos around the world. And then it says, Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his hoods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, <laughs> what does he say? My master is delaying his coming. And then, and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware of him and he will cut him into two and appoint him, appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that is verse, that is the third, third dimension. The first dimension is what? Oh, give thanks to God for, to the Lord for his good, for his mercy and yours forever. God of gods talks about authority. Lord of lords talks about submission to earthly masters. And only those people who are under submission can exercise what? Authority. All this because his mercy endures forever. Do you see the dimensionality of God's mercy? And why we should love mercy and extend mercy? Hmm. Dimension 4. Verse 4. To him alone who does just not ordinary wonders, great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. Now, there is a principle of first occurrence in the Bible. We know this very well. Okay. Where does, where do you think, where do you think okay. that this particular word, great wonders, occurs in the Bible? Well, 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 you're close. But not as close. No. Kya baat hai, Dr. Luke? Shucks, man, this guy is at a different level now. Genesis chapter 18, verse 9. Are too much. You spot on this is. This is the great wonder. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door with, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying, laughed within herself. Okay, so you know, her thoughts are speaking to her. It's called, what we call as in English, you know, thinking out loud. <laughs> okay, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being also. Old also. And then, and the Lord said to Abraham, 
Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Surely, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too wonderful or great for the Lord? Now tell me what is wonderful therefore. The miracle of new birth is a great wonder. The miracle of new birth. Why? Just as Isaac was, we are also the same. Look at what it says. At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah will have a son. So what does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean? Saving faith is an impossible faith. Saving faith is an impossible faith. You look at yourself. Now you are a child of God. You are a what? You are a great wonder. And who alone can do great wonders? God alone. Let me show you some great wonders. Luke's Gospel chapter 18 verse 24. And when Jesus saw that he became very, oh, very sorrowful. This is the uh, rich young ruler, okay? When Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And then what happens? And then those who heard it said, who then can be said? But he said, the things which are impossible to God, Sorry, impossible with man are possible with God. And what is impossible with man? To birth or have to have saving faith. To have saving faith. To generate in and of yourself saving faith is impossible. Because God has to give you that faith, right? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Even the hearing comes from the word of God. And you know that chapter 19 verse 1 onwards. No? This is a rich, another rich young ruler. Not ruler. The, then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, was a, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief, cal- cal- chief tax collector and he was rich. Something impossible is happening over here. Impossible. Zacchaeus will one day be in heaven. If you tell a uh, Pharisee, what would he say? Impossible. That impossible brother-in-law of yours. He'll never be saved. What do you say? Impossible. Many people might have thought the same about you. Vijay, ministry? (laughs) Impossible. This guy will be saved? Impossible. Sarah bearing a child? Impossible. The deadness of Sarah's womb? Impossible. Abraham, 100 years old, impossible. Saving faith is an impossible faith. And that is the reason why it is a what wonder? Great wonder. <laughs> you know something? We always we all look for wonders and miracles and signs. You know something? You are a great wonder. Don't you know that? That he, behold, behold, what manner of love Behold, what manner of love the Father has shed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Why? Because for His mercy endures forever. Mercy endures. That is the power of His mercy. 
that it can produce saving faith inside of you. Shall I prove that to you? From scripture? Let's go to First Peter chapter 1 now. Verses 3 to 5. First Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this, look at this, look at this. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Blessed be the God and the, God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his what? Abundant what? Mercy <laughs> has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That is how we were brought, 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 brought forth or rather born again. How? Because of his abundant mercy to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. That those that does not fade away reserved or kept for you in heaven. Saving faith is an impossible faith. That is the reason why Romans chapter 4 verse 16 will say. <laughs> Onwards. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. So that the promise might be sh- sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law. But also to those who are of the faith of Abraham who is the father of all. As it is written I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who he believed. God who gives life to the dead. And calls those things that are not as though. They are. And the next verse. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. So shall he, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. But what did he do? Verse 20. He did not waver the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith according to what? According to his mercy, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that he who had promised was also able to perform for his mercy endures forever. That is dimension number four. So, don't stop praying for those unsaved loved ones whom you think are impossible. Because saving faith is impossible. And who is the only person who can do great wonders? He alone can do great wonders for his mercy endures forever. And sometimes you say, Lord, but these fellows are not coming. It is not about them, it is about you. God can save them. But if you have to be the instrument that God has to use to save them, you know what, you have, you have to come to, and come to a point like Abraham, completely dead. Like like what happened to uh, like Moses, no? After 40 years in the wilderness, who am I? Otherwise he will be so conceited. Boss, I am the qualified person over here. <laughs> like what Pastor said, if he would have been the deliverer of the of of the Israel of Israel when he was forty years old, he would have, he would have brought them out of Egypt and would have killed them in the wilderness. He would have been the person who would have slaughtered all of them. <laughs> I mean, he was so powerful. I was like, I started. I was so convicted actually. Think about that, no? Brought them out, slaughtered them. What's the whole point? Who did it? Moses. 
the deliverer of israel <laughs> boy <laughs> unbelievable right so saving faith is an impossible faith so don't quit don't quit on your friends don't quit on your unsaved loved ones boss give us a fresh word and you need to ask god finally let's go to the next dimension to him who by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endures forever he made the heavens i'll tell you something turn to hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 <clears throat> yeah god who at various times and in various matters or various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom he also made the world's full stop gadu and the next verse who being the bright brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and this is powerful upholding all things by the word of his power that means you know what it says he holds everything by the word of his power you know what is doing even now things are not falling apart you know why because he is holding everything by the word of his power everything is being held together by the word of his power that is the reason why i like chuck missler when he said you know what chuck missler said he said he was nailed to the cross but he was holding together the nails which would keep him on the cross and what did he say if you are the son of god come down <laughs> no 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 for his mercy and yours forever he's upholding everything by the word of his power but one day the day is coming in his act of mercy you know what he's going to do he's going to judge the elements will burn with fervent heat and he's just holding it back you know why he's upholding everything together in in whom all things exist says colossians chapter 1 he is the one who's holding and keeping everything together that is the reason why when you split an uh, a uranium atom how much of energy is released just by holding that atom together so much of energy is constrained do you know that and when you bombard what happens it splits and when it splits what happens energy is released that is just a small fraction of the incredible amount of energy god has you are only talking about plutonium or uranium what about the entire universe which is being held together so that you and i have the opportunity to cry out to him that's what it says in romans chapter 1 verses 20 to 25 and we'll stop for today five dimensions we today we looked at romans chapter 1 verses 20 onwards for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes are what clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and divine nature it says in esv so that they are without excuse because although they knew god they did not glorify him as god but uh, as, as god nor were they thankful 
but became futile in their thinking and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made unto corruptible man, etc. And God says, you know what? I give you over. I give you over. He is the one who stretched the heavens. He made, he by wisdom made the heavens. And he's the one who's holding everything together. And he says, you know what? I send my rain on the just and the unjust. If perhaps per adventure that you will seek after me. Why? For his mercy endures forever. Let's pray. Saving faith is an impossible faith. <laughs> my dear brothers, so let us never quit on our people, especially of those of your household. Cry out for them. And be prepared to pray whatever. Lord, whatever it takes. And it's not going to be easy for you to, for you to pray that. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, we thank you. We understand, Lord. You alone are the God who, do, who does great wonders. For your mercy endures forever. And this morning we want to thank you Father for speaking to us and showing us different dimensionalities of your mercy. Enable us not to have a big head but a burning heart. Continue to work your life into our hearts. For your words are spirit and life. To that and I pray that you would bless us and keep us. For in Jesus name we pray. Amen.